It's the Make It Better podcast. Let's make it better. Episode number nine, I think. Welcome. Welcome, Bob. Thanks. Thanks. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Uh, it is a uh, happy Tuesday. The uh, weather, it doesn't know whether it wants to be winter or fall, uh, but, but I'm doing all right. I'm getting by anyway. What, what does your weather stone tell you the weather is? Uh, my weather stone told me to hide in the basement all day and work, unfortunately. What did yours tell you? Uh, no, mine, mine said that it was decent out today. A little cloudy, but decent. I tell you, if the weather doesn't improve, though, it's going to be the weather stone is going to be a projectile. I'm just going to throw it at people uh, pretty soon. It's been a it's been a very long. Whoa, we're playing all the sound effects here today. Everything's going off like crazy. That's OK. Well, you got a salute anyway, then uh, with the secondary sound effect that kicked off. But that really almost ruined the moment with our uh, Mark Aloine Don't Take the Bait theme music, which now means the beginning uh, of every new segment on the Make It Better podcast yeah the uh the the, um, the we did weather on the last episode and uh we talk about weather way too much but i especially now with still the lockdowns and quarantines all in effect just the absence of sunlight on top of being locked in your house is just it, it uh, it's so depressing it, it makes it so hard for you to be upbeat and, and happy and look for something fun to do when you look outside and it's just gray and gross and cold or windy or wet or any of the things it seems like it's been the last few days. Yeah, absolutely. And then we're, we're missing out on vitamin D. We're not getting that. We're not out in the sun. And that just leads straight to the, the blues, if you will, seasonal affective disorder, if you want to get technical. But yeah, it's, it's happening. People are down or they're kind of, you know, not thrilled with what's going on in the world right now. And it just compounds that You know, I never bought into that, you know, call it the case of the Mondays, uh, seasonal affective disorder, uh, Zoom fatigue, whatever. I never bought into that, but I'm, I gotta, I gotta admit, I'm starting to, I'm going stir crazy. Uh, It's just, especially now with summer over and and there's no boat, there's no motorcycle. Those things are all covered up with tarps. Uh, It's basically Netflix, which isn't, not really fill in the void uh, or uh, I guess video <laughs> games uh, or recording podcasts. We'll, we'll see. Maybe this is what's going to cheer me up. huh? That this will, this will, this is going to launch you to an, a, a different, well, into the stratosphere of happiness. You know what I actually have found um, because there's a void also with sports, right? Cause sports isn't, you know, for lots of reasons, sports right now isn't either isn't there or it's different than what we've expected. I've actually rekindled my uh, enjoyment with auto racing. Uh, you were a big NASCAR guy, and maybe still are. Are you still a big NASCAR guy? I'm not, and I got out of it when they had that aero package where it, the, the guy in second place would move out from behind the leader, and the leader would spin out just because the air the aerodynamics yeah. changed. I, I got so bored with that. It seemed like every 10 laps, there's a yellow flag. It's like, no, I'm done. I'm out. And I think I got out of it when, uh, was it 2000, is it 2004 when the car of the future was released or maybe it was even 2008 later than that, where, where basically we re- removed all pretense at that point of these being anything like a stock car, right? They just were, a, I think they're mid, the seats now in the center of the vehicle, it's, they're all the exact same body style. They just have different headlight, spe- headlight uh, stickers, right? Exactly. Um, and taillights, taillight stickers different too. Uh, well, you know, that makes all the difference. Maybe a different hood ornament uh, sticker. <laughs> I, I just, I sort of lost and, and I've tuned into a few NASCAR races this year and 
if nothing else, it's been fun to try and understand the scoring because now we've got segments, we've got, you know, different sorts of gimmicks going on. I, I, I think to try to drive interest, um, you know, not making you wait for 263 laps, but rather having, you know, a 40 or 50 lap segment to kind of, you know, parse the time out. Uh, that seems to be helping. But I've been rekindled a little bit in watching that, but but more moreover for watching Formula One. I've actually been recording or even getting up early sometimes and watching the Formula One races. I find those to be very compelling. And there's no commercials uh, when those get broadcast, which is pretty cool. Mother's uh, car treatment stuff sponsors those broadcasts. And so, number one, it's better racing. The cars are neat. Uh, but, yeah, no commercials on Formula One, which is which is pretty cool. Wow, I, I didn't know that. I might have to look into it. Well, and something else to look at is uh, take a look sometime at the uh, pace car. I was I was boring my family with this this week. So the pace car is pace car with Formula One is this, you know, incredible Mercedes supercar, right? And uh, I was watching one race, and uh, the you know the, the oftentimes if there's a wreck. Uh, or a spin out. Unlike NASCAR, they don't really stop the race. And they don't even bring the pace car out. They, they just do what's called either a, 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 a specific spot on the track. They'll uh, put out the the uh, you know the flag essentially or flagman on that corner. So you just have to slow down and be careful there. Or they'll do what's called a virtual safety car. In which case, they you know these cars are also technologically advanced. They basically just get a, a readout on their steering wheel that says, hey, you got to slow down at this segment of the track because we're in a virtual safety car but if it's really bad they'll bring out the pace car um, or the safety car and it is this again mercedes kind of hyper supercar that comes out and a couple of races ago uh they had an event where the the supercar had to come out and uh the drivers were getting upset because the pace car was going so slowly that they couldn't keep heat in their tires and it would be dangerous well I was shocked. How how fast do you think does a NASCAR pace car go around that oval? Seventy mile an hour, maybe, on the oval when they're when they're holding that pace. Or do you think, think it's slower than? I think NASCAR is sixty. When the yellow flag comes out, the pace car is doing sixty around the track. So I was watching this pace car go, and you can look this up online to get the exact numbers. But in the curves, uh, it was turning ninety to hundred mile an hour. <laughs> and down the straights, it was going 110, 120 mile an hour. And it shows you how fast those F1 cars are anyway. And these are road courses. So it's left, right, left, right, left, right, all over the place. Um, but really, like I said, that, that to me was just really exciting. Even having the safety car out uh, ended up being pretty exciting. But, you know, I, I've started to draw back to that sort of thing uh, just to try and spice things up a little bit because there's just got to find something different. I yeah. started working on the guitar again, in fact, even. Really? Yeah, trying different apps, just trying to actually overcome my own natural limitations. But um, this is what I find myself doing now, trying to, trying to make every day look a little different than the day before. I, uh, I haven't had time for that. I've been working on a basement remodel, um, taking a basically blank storage room and trying to turn it into a livable space. So... Um, trying my hands at the trades again, um, and I'm remembering why I quit doing it. <laughs> They're always fun projects until you get about three quarters of the way through, yeah. uh, and, and then you just you just want to you just want to pay someone to come in and just finish it. Just just get this done. I, I'm tired of of having to do it. Yeah, or you're doing baseboard and you come across an obtuse angle. How do you cut that? Yeah, um, wood filler. 
lots and lots <laughs> of wood filler, uh, overlap it, uh, and then just hope it, hope it works out. But, you know, I think everybody's getting tired of complaining about the, the quarantine. Someday we're going to find the magic pill that gets us all through it. I, I just haven't found it yet. I just haven't found it yet. That's for sure. Hey, uh, last, uh, last episode, uh, we did our uh, mistakes segment. Uh, mistakes were made. This episode, we're not going to do that. Thankfully, hopefully, we won't have enough mistakes to be able to fill that every single episode. But if you do run across a mistake that we've made in our prior episodes, this episode, if you can predictively understand when we're going to make one in the upcoming episode, go ahead and tweet us at Let's Make It Bet 2 uh, at Twitter. That's uh, L E T S. M-A-K-E-I-T-B-E-T. Oh, boy, I've lost already. Help oh, me you, out, Bob. You Help me with the handle. I had it. B-E-T. It. Yep. it is two T's. See, I questioned myself on the two, two T's. And the number two, because I am a marketing genius. You are a marketing genius. Hey, you know what? Just wherever you're streaming this podcast from, in the description, the handle's in there. And once you follow it, once you subscribe to it, once you're, once you're you know, tracking it, you're never going to have to know it again anyway. Just, just know that it's there. So let's make it bet two. That's our Twitter handle. Go ahead and tweet us there if you find a mistake. Uh, also, you know what? Drop us a line. Drop us a note at Make It Better Notes. That's uh, Make It Better Notes, all one word at gmail.com. Drop us, drop us some feedback, some information, something you think we should know about. Go ahead, even use the uh, voice memo app on your phone if you would like, and uh, leave us a voice message. And uh, you know what? Maybe it's going to be something that we we'll want to play to everybody else. So. Let's uh, let's make it bet two on Twitter and make it better notes at gmail.com. Uh, you know what? I thought this week let's kick off with a, a new segment for some news. What do you think about uh, doing a little news? We should Bob. do news. Why aren't let's we do doing news. news? And you know what you need with news? What do you need with news? Uh, you, need uh, you, you need a sounder. <laughs> I like it. That is our news sounder, and that means it's time to jump into the world of news. And we've curated and selected uh, very topical and important stories uh, for us to uh, comment on and go through here today. And by that, I mean that I Googled some stuff, and this is the first few articles that came up. So let's take a look. First of all, uh, did, are you a follower of SpaceX? I'm not. I'm not. I, I saw four new astronauts climb into the space station today, but uh, no, I'm not a follower. Well, but see that that there you go, and and that is exactly the story we're talking about because uh, 27 hours after 7:27 p.m. liftoff from Pad 39A in a Space Crew Dragon capsule. Now, Dragon, I think, uh, was it Falcon Heavy that took the Roadster up? Um, Dragon was the the most recent one that actually went up and docked with the space station. Uh, but in this case, uh, the Dragon capsule, NASA astronauts Victor Glover, Mike Hopkins, and Shannon Walker. Uh, along with the Japanese astronaut Sochi Noguchi, uh, officially started calling the International Space Station their home at 11.01 p.m. on Monday. They'll spend about six months on the station for NASA and SpaceX's joint mission, known as Crew-1. And then by 11.11 p.m., hooks on the ISS finally secured the 27-foot spacecraft, named Resilience by the crew, to the orbiting outpost swirling about 17, uh, around the Earth at about 17,000 uh, miles an hour. So that's pretty cool that, you know, private industry is now not just launching in space, not just able to land those rockets, which I think is the coolest part of SpaceX when those rockets come back down and land, but uh, also now take people up uh, to uh, what was a, a government platform in the International Space Station. Pretty cool, right? It's very cool. So this is like an Uber for a government agency. 
Uh, very, very much. Yeah, exactly right. This is this is government contractors now, sort of, uh, but in a good way. Uh, speaking in a good way, uh, Dolly Parton, who is one of my favorite people in the world. I, I am a, a Dolly Parton fan. I think Dolly Parton is a, a pretty awesome cultural icon in American uh, in American pop culture. Would you not agree with that, sir, in Dolly Parton? I would agree. And an amazing voice uh, that has not changed throughout the years is she started singing her song and it's remained the same. Yeah. And somebody who really knows who she is, knows who her audience is, uh, because, I mean, she has an interesting dichotomy in her audience, right? She's got, you know, people like my parents, uh, country music fans, uh, you know, people from maybe the... uh, the 70s movie, Burt Reynolds, uh, Best Little Whorehouse, then the 80s, 9 to 5 kind of movie actress era. Uh, she also has a huge following in the uh, uh, gay and trans, what is it, would you call it transgender uh, drag queen, I guess, to be really kind of crude about it. Uh, that, that whole, um, what do you want to say, community? right? Mm-hmm. Uh, are huge fans of Dolly Parton. And she, she has found a way to embrace all of them and make enemies of none of them, which, which is pretty cool. And it's probably because of doing things like this. So uh, a million dollar donation by Dolly Parton has helped fund the production of a promising new coronavirus vaccine by Moderna Therapeutics. Now Moderna, that's the one that got all the news and hurt the Pfizer stock just today. Uh, because unlike the Pfizer uh, uh, vaccine, which I think you have to chill at negative 94 degrees Fahrenheit uh, for transport, uh, the Moderna uh, vaccine, I don't believe, will have that limitation. Uh, The Massachusetts-based biotechnology company Moderna released data early Monday on its candidate vaccine, uh, mRNA-1273, finding that it reduced the risk of COVID-19 infection by 94.5%. According to the preliminary report by the vaccine, uh, by the New England Journal of Medicine, uh, Dolly Parton was credited, among others, for her donation to Vanderbilt University Medical Center, which she announced in April. Uh, Parton has long long been a patron of philanthropy. Uh, She founded the Imagination Library in the 1990s to boost literacy among children, opened her door, uh, opened her Dollywood empire, I should say, in 1986 to employ thousands of East Tennesseans. Uh, She also tweeted that she would be donating millions of dollars to Vanderbilt because of her friendship with Dr. Naji Amrad, uh, who treated her after a 2014 car crash, I remember that, and informed the country star that the hospital was making exciting advancements towards a cure uh, for the coronavirus. So good on Dolly uh, for that. That's, uh, again, it's uh, one of, I think, the most uh, most uh, recognizable and interesting cultural characters uh, in America, with, without a doubt. Agreed. Now, now, speaking of the vaccine, do you want to take this one, the Pfizer one, or do you want Sputnik V or whatever Russia is calling theirs? <laughs> Sputnik Five. I don't. Uh, I'm not familiar with Sputnik Five. Uh, can you enlighten me on Sputnik Five? It's the Russian vaccine. They're saying that it's uh, what 95 percent effective. You know, they had to tweak their number a little bit to to make it better than any number the U.S. has reported. But uh, they're pushing it to China and India now. Um, so they're they're rolling theirs out. Um, the only side effect that I've noticed is that Yagavayuropruski uh, now. <laughs> uh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Whoops. Yeah. Uh, you're going to end up writing all your K's backwards now, too. Isn't that a yes. sign of the, the Russian language? I, you know, it, serious question, though. I, I am a little bit nervous about, uh, um, I don't know, being first for anything, especially something that, you know, quote unquote, seems rushed. I'm not sure I'm going to buy into a lot of conspiracy theories. I've heard them all. Um, but, 
I don't think we're going to have to worry about it. I think healthcare workers, I think uh, people who are frontline are going to get that first, probably military. Um, you know, you and I sometime around Easter can, can sit down and decide which one we want to go get because it might be about that time uh, for us. I will tell you that right now I've had a couple of people near me uh, think about or need to go get a coronavirus test and they're driving an hour um, to, uh, to, to find a hospital that has uh, the availability of an appointment uh, to get a, a test. Um, so we'll see what, what, how the vaccines get distributed and how smooth that goes. But yeah, first we got to get like one. Yeah. And it seems like it's really taken off. I didn't, you know, we were what, 250, 260 days into this. Um, I didn't know anyone directly within my circle that had it, but this week alone, there are now four people in my circle. Uh, and these aren't people that I have direct contact with. I'm, I'm, I'm not locking down yet, but um, it's just strange that that no one I know has had it until this week, and all of a sudden, boom, four. Yeah, sometime we're you know I, when this is all over, I think that's when I'm comfortable to really start talking about this, and when it's in the rearview mirror. But this really is a question of risk. I think we're I think this is just inevitable. We're all going to either get it or know someone who's gotten it, be touched by it in some way. It's just it spreads too quickly, and even the lockdown efforts are really just about you know, not to use the flattening the curve term, but just slowing the rate of, of spread. Uh, but it is going to spread. That's what it does. And as of right now, I don't have a way to stop it other than just trying to get out of its way. We're kind of like, I was thinking the other night, in fact, I saw somebody send a meme similar to this. So I'm not trying to echo that, but um, it, it's almost like those, that early first few seconds of saving Private Ryan when those soldiers are on the boat and you can hear them, hear the bullets and the waves hitting the outside of those boats right before the doors go down. Um, mm -hmm. that's kind of what it's like for us, uh, you know, in the sense that this, this virus is kind of like bullets whizzing all around us. Uh, and we only can do so much, um, sooner or later we got to get out of the boat, you know, and, uh, that might mean going to the grocery store or the gas station. Uh, hopefully you're not, you know, doing anything more reckless than, than what you absolutely have to, but the people who are, are probably the ones, uh, who either have to for their jobs or their roles or just wrong place at the wrong time, but you are going to get it if you get near where it is, right? Mm -hmm. Speaking of Dolly and being a philanthropist, uh, Jeff Bezos, uh, Jeff Bezos Earth Fund. Now, Jeff Bezos, of course, is the, uh, the founder of Amazon. Uh, he gave nearly $800 million to climate groups in his first round of grants. Uh, in, in the first round of those grants, the $10 billion Bezos Fund will award $791 million to 16 environmental agencies, largely focused on researching and implementing ways to reduce carbon emissions, build green jobs, uh, and restore wildlife. Wildlife? Wildlife. Wildlife. The uh, funding round announced on Monday was remarkably large for an organization that does not have a website and has not published a list of staff, named a director, or released any instructions on how to apply for grants. So I'm, I'm not sure why that's necessary uh, for it to actually give money out, uh, but they're saying basically that there's not a lot of structure in that business, and yet they are already dumping a lot of money out. Of course, we all know that uh, Jeff Bezos and Amazon they're worth a couple of dollars. Um, so they could probably throw $800 million out without having to work too hard at org structure and, uh, and that sort of thing, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I think they'll be okay. I don't see a lot of risk there. Yeah, I, I, think they'll, I think they'll make it through. Speaking of risk, uh, you, know, you know when you uh, go by a, a light rail train or a commuter train, uh, they've got sort of a synthetic sound. Have you noticed that? They've got sort of a synthetic sound and a synthetic horn. 
Well, yes, that's, yep. yeah, and that's for safety, right? And now they're going to, they're talking about having to do the same thing for the e-scooters. Uh, have you been in a city in which those e-scooters are, are there that you could rent and use to scoot about uh, by renting them, usually with your Uber or your Lyft app? Uh, no, I'm not familiar with those. I have been to several cities. Uh, I don't sure how it's working right now with the uh, with the virus, but uh, basically a lot of times your Uber or your Lyft app, you can locate those scooters just like you would an Uber and they'll be leaning up against a, a post somewhere. You can scan a QR code on the scooter and then you get to rent it for five minutes, 10 minutes, you know, however long you've, you've, you've booked it based on the, the scooter. And they're little electric scooters, you hop on it, they're kind of like a Razor scooter, only bigger. And they scoot, they probably do 10, 15 mile an hour and you can get around, uh, you know, a, a downtown. So I know uh, Chicago's got them, Austin's got them, San Francisco's got them, they're all over the place. Well, now they're talking about needing to actually add artificial noise to those scooters for safety. And this, this story actually from uh, the next web comes out of Germany. Uh, the German micromobility firm Tier Mobility plans to fit its e-scooters with artificial warning sounds to alert blind and partially sighted people of their approach. Now, I would tell you that that's not just for blind people. Uh, if you're in a busy, bustling uh, city uh, and you're walking down the sidewalk, you're walking near the sidewalk, you don't expect a nearly silent scooter uh, to come flying up behind you. And, and by the way, that's, that's true of electric cars, too. Uh, electric cars are just as startling when they come up on you because you can't hear them. You can't hear them. Yeah, I, um, I, I run. I used to run. I, don't, I haven't run for a long time, but when I would run, I'd be at a park that was uh, multi-use. So it had trails, but uh, you could bike on it, you could run on it, you could walk on it. Even the bicycles, I wouldn't hear coming from behind me. Um, you know, people would be yelling on your left, on your left. And, and then I would know to get out of the way. But if they didn't say that, uh, I would be shocked every time that bicycle got next to me and the bikes are going 20 miles per hour and I'm going four or maybe right. five. Uh, so, right. um, it, I can see where that, that would get scary, especially like you mentioned, a busy downtown, um, a lot of ambient noise anyway. So, uh, yeah, having that sneak up on you would be a little frightening. Well, and we've, we've, I know the electric supercars that are out, they are producing and have speakers essentially that produce a synthetic sound because people want that, that visceral engine noise. Uh, but they also, you know, that's, that's a safety issue. People need to hear it coming. And if, if it's just this bullet coming at you, that's not making any sound until you're within, you know, 20 feet of it, uh, it's going to be very, very dangerous. And, you know, as a motorcycle owner, uh, loud, loud pipes save lives. Um, there's some truth to that. Uh, there's been a lot of cases where I know people don't see me, uh, but then, uh, you know, if I crack my throttle, they hear me and I see them look up from their phone or their dashboard uh, and then, you know, give me some space, which is always good. I think we got time for one more story here. And I think this is the one to add on because uh, as we go into the pandemic and uh, football season is, is about halfway through, this is an incredibly important move uh, that uh, Bud Light has, uh, has given uh, to society. Bud Light has made a video game console that also cools two beers. No. Uh, it looks like a six pack, um, you know, like you might buy a cardboard six pack with the uh, handle down the center. Uh, it's blue. It has uh, what looks to be three uh, fixed cans that are probably faux. And then it's got two slots, uh, which must be where you can, chill the other. It looks like it's got a couple of game controllers as well. Bud Light, the beer brand produced by Anheuser-Busch, has created a video game console. It's called the BL6. And yes, it will keep two of your beers cold. 
It has 16 gig of memory, six games, including Tekken 7 and Soul Calibur 6. Uh, I've never heard of those. It has a built-in Asus projector. Uh, it has the form factor of a six pack of beer. So that's cool. So it actually has an onboard projector as well. Uh, so if you, uh, if you love drinking beer as much as the next person, and uh, if you don't, even if you don't consume Bud Light, uh, you do have to appreciate uh, booze companies for, for doing weird video game stunts. Uh, Miller Lite had a can troller, which was a can of beer that you could game with. Uh, the problem with those devices, though, were that they were impossible to get. You can't even find a place uh, to uh, get the can troller from Miller Lite. But Bud Light's BL6 is currently going for more than $1,000 at auction. Oh, so we're not going to mass produce this. This looks like something that maybe was a one-off, <laughs> which is unfortunately uh, unfortunate. But it is actually it does actually look pretty cool, uh, to be honest with you. So thank you, Bud Light, for actually putting your R&D into a, a game console rather than making your beer taste better. <laughs> Although they've got a seltzer, they've got their Bud Light seltzer to uh, compete against the, uh, the White Claw, right? I, I've not had it. I've not had it. No, no, I don't want to hear the seltzers. I don't understand the point. I want flavor when I drink my beverage. They're all the rage, man. But isn't it like everything else? They're just low calorie. Isn't that the deal? I think, I think so. All right. Well, this was low calorie. Uh, I think it's time to uh, put our first segment on a fasting diet, put it out to pasture. Uh, and I think we're, uh, we're done. So we're going to take a quick break. Let's make it better podcast. We will be back in just a few minutes. Let's make it better podcast segment number two, episode number nine. And as always, the familiar sounds of Mark Alewine, markalewinemusic.com. Don't take the bait. And I, I think a little bird told me that Mark Alewine has a new single out. Is that true, sir? A new single was released. It's called Savor the Flavor. Um, if you look at the the designed for the thumbnail next to the song on markalonemusic.com you will see chili peppers next to a uh, fiddle and a guitar maybe it's a violin i'm gonna call it a fiddle so mark if you're listening it's a fiddle uh, i like a fiddle fiddle's my uh, favorite way of referring to a violin even if it's if i ran into a concert violinist i'd still call them and salute again we go right into the next one if i was a uh, ran into a concert violinist i again would call it a fiddle i have no shame in that whatsoever uh, um i i agree um, it, it's a fiddle tell somebody tell me the difference find us at let's make it bet b-e-t-t the number two on twitter let me know the difference between a fiddle and a violin because i know there's there's a distinction between a ukulele and a mandolin, correct? Yeah, they're much different instruments, so they're shaped different. But a fiddle and a violin, they're shaped the same. So, and yeah, I suppose you're right. Maybe, maybe there is some sort of uh, distinguishing characteristic of a violin or a fiddle versus just the kind of music that you play. Like, for instance, if you if you uh, uh, sit on a on a cushioned chair and play it, you're probably playing a violin. If you're wearing bib overalls and your knees hopping up and down while you're playing it, it's probably a fiddle. Is that fair enough to say? If you have it underneath your chin, it's probably a violin. If you have it down underneath your armpit, it's probably a fiddle. 
you will get no arguments from me. So right. what? Um, so the the fiddle violin thing is very popular in Celtic music. What do they call it? Uh, I don't know. I would guess that they probably call it a violin. Do you think they? Do you, I think isn't is fiddle a? Well, of course, fiddler on the roof. I was just about to say that fiddle is sort of a North American thing, but fiddler on the roof certainly uh, would suggest that maybe this is. This is a wider, wider used term. I don't know the etymology of fiddle I'm or fiddle faddle for that matter. Fiddle faddle is delicious. Yeah, it is. I agree. And that, not, I think we're, we're getting off topic. So but again, Mark, the Cracker Jacks, I don't know. So Mark Aylwine's new single, is that like his other music in which it is available for purchase or is this something he has released uh, for entertainment and his own purposes? You know, it, you can go to any of your favorite music sites, uh, listen to the song if you want. You can go to markillinemusic.com. Uh, you can purchase the song, uh, listen to the song. You can actually say, hey, Mark, I would like to license this song as my own and buy the rights from you. And Mark would say, okay. Um, and then you would, you know, settle things up from there. Well, he'd also ask you what your name was and probably your address, get a credit card number, I'm assuming, and a lot of other stuff, right? You wouldn't yeah. just say, okay, I hope. There'd, there'd be stuff, but yeah, yeah. There'd be other stuff you'd probably have to do to go through it. But it's uh, big supporters of Mark because he's a big supporter of us, MarkAlawineMusic.com. Great music, uh, very impressive and professional sounding music. And I am going to go savor the flavor of his new single, which is aptly named Savor the Flavor, as soon as we get done recording this. So our topic this episode, as we roll into our let's make it better uh, topic, because as you know, on let's make it better, our job is not to fix any problems, but instead to find things that we think are just not optimal and then figure out how to, you know, if possible, suggest ways to make them better, but also at least make peace with them so that you yourself um, have a better experience. And uh, this week, um, cell phones is our topic. Um, and I have a hard time even saying cell phone because to me, this seems like a term that no longer matches what the computer we have in our pocket actually is, right? I mean, that, that, that has to be my first consideration. Uh, calling it a phone, uh, it seems like, number one, it seems like a minimization of what it actually is, but it also seems wrong because there aren't many people who talk on these things anymore. Um, matter of fact, most people are annoyed if they have to talk on their cell phone, correct? I absolutely agree. Uh, my phone app on my mobile device is probably the least used app on there. Um, I, don't, I don't like the phone calls. I don't like to make the phone calls. I don't like to receive them. Um, I have to do it as part of being a human being, I guess. But um, there are like six other ways to get a hold of me on my phone. Use one of those. I agree. And here's what's even even worse is if I do get a phone call, because uh, I have to, you know, for work a lot, I get phone calls. I'm clamoring all the time for my headphones. Where's my headphones? Where's my, where's my, where's my headset to put on? Where's, where's, you know, if I'm in the, in the car, same thing, right? It's, it's, you have to be wireless if you're moving. Uh, it, it's, it's interesting that this, this thing we call a phone, not only do not, we not like to take verbal phone calls on it, but even if someone calls us, we don't even want to use it to be the thing we talk into. We want to find something else. Uh, we just let it be the facilitator of the call. Uh, but, you know, it's just ergonomically and uncomfortable to use uh, yeah, to actually talk to somebody. 
It's shaped like a small piece of lumber. Um, it, you're back, back in the day, in the day, we had the corded phone that was attached to the wall. Um, so you had mm -hmm. to be nearby, but you could still do stuff while you're on that phone because of the shape of it. You could tuck it between your shoulder and your cheek and, and sit there and chat and still have use of both your hands. Now you, you have no such luxury. You're trying to, you know, you try to get that little board in between your shoulder and cheek and it goes shooting out across the room. Um, it, it's just, it's not convenient. You, like you mentioned, you do need the other device so you can actually use the phone portion and be hands-free. I think we may have hit on something here accidentally. Uh, think, think of the, the old landline phones, even the, the more recent landline phones. They were curved, they were contoured to fit your hand. They had a speaker that was positioned uh, uh, strategically and probably purposefully as far away from the microphone as your ear typically would be from your mouth. Uh, they, you know, they were built to be used to speak into. Um, even, even if you say that the, the modern cell phone isn't really designed to be talked into, but to be used for texting or, 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 or that kind of communication, it's not good at that either. It's uncomfortable to type into. We don't really like to type into it. It's kind of frustrating. Really what it's good at is the screen, right? It's, it's, in fact, it's really designed in terms of its shape to be optimal for viewing and for fitting into your pocket more so than typing or talking into it. Mm -hmm. I think that's I think that's uh, perhaps the the first problem we have with the, with the thing, <laughs> and to me it starts with the fact that it's named as something that we no longer use it for, or that the expectations that we would have for that thing uh, by that name it certainly couldn't meet. But it certainly meets a lot of other expectations. Um, you know, I now uh, you know if I go to a if I'm traveling for work and I'm in a hotel room and I want to watch Netflix. Uh, I don't bother or watch television. I don't bother with the TV in the hotel anymore. I just pull my phone out. I, I have, if you've ever been frustrated going, well, what channel is this on or what channel is that on when you're in the hotel? Well, why even bother with that, right? I just open up my phone app and I, I watch it on my phone as if I was at home. Uh, there's, there's a certain, uh, certainly a, a strength to what these devices are, but I, I, I guess maybe, maybe we just haven't changed the name well enough to keep up. Yeah, and it's crazy how far that's come. You mentioned, you know, you don't watch TV in the hotel anymore. What I'm amazed by is I can now DVR a television program, be hundreds of miles away from my TV and watch that program that I DVR'd. Uh, and it's, it's all because it's, you know, in the magical cloud, but uh, you can use my phone to connect to that and, and watch that, that program. Yeah, this, I mean, and this really isn't about a phone, but we are so... Uh, blessed, pampered uh, with technology. Just could you imagine in, in 1984 uh, being able to just watch Star Wars anytime you wanted to on your phone or, you know, and on something in your pocket to just one Saturday afternoon, just decide, you know what, I'm going to, or in the back of your parents' car on a long road trip, be able to just bring up, you know, any movie that you had that you wanted to pretty much uh, and, and watch it, uh, we, we didn't have these luxuries and it's, it's, it's an amazing time that we're living in. And that first and foremost, before you gripe about it, you have to recognize what an amazing time we're living in. What an amazing level of access that we have. Absolutely. Um, we have access, but you, you think about everything that's in that device. You know, when we talk about how amazing it is, yes, it's your phone. 
Yes, it's your messenger, it's your word processor, it's your video camera, it's your still photo camera, um, it's your your bank account, it's how you do financial transactions now. Um, what else does a phone do? Um, it's your GPS uh, that used to be handheld separately. Um, the question becomes is what can it do um, that you can do on a, a laptop or a PC? Um, and, and I don't think there really is anything. I will tell you that my kids uh, who are now in their you know, late teens, early 20s, rarely use a laptop. Uh, if they are using a laptop, it's because of a work or a school requirement. Most everything they do, they do on their phone. Um, and I think young adults in general, uh, you know, they're, they certainly don't have a landline. They certainly don't have a conventional television service. Uh, and if they do have a, a TV screen or a large flat screen, it's flat screen. It has video games on it, right? So the the yeah the use of the the quote unquote cell phone, uh, it's this is really their central hub around which around which they they live. I think. Can I talk a little bit about the camera? Um, I think the cameras are great. Um, I'm amazed. You know, it's so convenient when you're on vacation, especially to be able to quickly snap vacation shots with your cam with your phone, not have to drag a camera along with you. But I am getting a little exhausted with the fact that we keep upgrading our cell phones to get a quote unquote better camera. Um, I, I don't need a better camera. In fact, I need to take less pictures because I have so many pictures right now. I can't even begin to organize them, understand them, find them, maintain them. We have millions, I think, of pictures, I swear, at this point. Uh, and, you know, I'll be going through our, our picture list and I'll find receipts, uh, you know, pictures of, of wiring that I was taking something apart and I snapped a picture of, right? Uh, and I've completely lost the ability, uh, number one, because there's so much storage and it's so easy to take a picture. Uh, but I, I've completely lost the ability of being able to manage and maintain and control all of that content. And I certainly don't need it to be better. My God, it's, it's better than any camera that I probably owned uh, uh, you know, prior to getting into just using a cell phone for photos. Yeah, remember uh, when we had the, the little disposable cameras, which get like 12 pictures mm -hmm. out of that, and then you'd have to break it apart, take it in to be developed. Um, right. You know, now we take 12 pictures a day of nothing, uh, whether it be a, a Snapchat or a, a, you know, Instagram or whatever the kids are using these days. Um, you don't even think about it. You just, you, you just hit that, that button every time. Um, I do need the camera to be better though. Uh, and um, my camera is, is good in low light. Um, I know someone who has a camera that is awful in low light and I need it to be even better in low light without the, without the flash. So somehow mine is collecting more light and bringing it into the lens than uh, this other person's camera is. Uh, and it, it gives me a, a better picture, but I need it so I can see stuff. I want to be able to take a picture, zoom in on it in low light and say, oh, that's what that word is that I can't see or, or that's where that wire goes that I couldn't see. So I, I need improvements there. I need, I need these to perform better in low light conditions. So you would, you would rather have this one device again, completely usurp the need to have a secondary camera. You, you want this to be your, you know, you want to own no other camera than your phone. 
There, there's a, a question that's often asked, what's the best camera? And the answer is always the same, the one you have on you. That, that's always the best camera. And the one thing that I always have on me is my phone. So I will agree with you. And again, I'll point back at vacation. Um, it, was, it was liberating when I first took a vacation uh, the first time without dragging a camera with me. Uh, when I just relied on my phone. And at that point, I, you know, cloud storage was probably supported so that I didn't have to worry about running out of space or, you know, you know, work, worse yet, losing uh, photos that I had taken. Uh, that was a very liberating thing. So I, I do agree with that. I, I just, I start to hit the wall when, when I, you know, like the new iPhone was just released. The capabilities of its camera, especially on the highest level model, uh, I can't possibly require that. Um, there's nothing that I am going to need for what ends up being mostly pictures of wiring. So I know how it goes back together, random, uh, random vacation pictures and that sort of thing. I, I mean, a person who really understands the, the level of complexity and the specifications of that new phone, uh, are they really going to be satisfied using a phone to take those pictures or are they going to buy a, an expensive camera body and lenses? I think there's a there's going to be a shift. Um, there there are professional photographers photographers out there that are still going to use your um, I won't even say traditional camera, but a digital camera with the big big fat lens and whatever, so they can get the perfect shot. Um, there are people who who still want a shot, but maybe they want you know they're on vacation, they're at the beach, they want a picture of the whole beach. They want a panoramic, but they don't want to have to spin around in a circle trying to figure out how the little graphic on their screen is telling them to turn. Um, with these new cameras, I think that they have lenses that do that. So it's just a matter of switching the lens. All of a sudden, I've got a wide, wide angle shot instead of my, my typical uh, cell phone looking shot. So I, I think people will find a use for that. So is it just me or did the cell phone or the phone company, I should say, you know, the, the mobile carrier, did the advertising strategy change in the last two years or so? I think prior to that, in the last two years, uh, there was just an inundation in cell phone commercials. Get the new this, get the new that, uh, the new Android device, the new LG device, the new Samsung device, the new iPhone, really pushing hardware. Uh, in the last two years, I've seen what appears to me like the advertising has switched to be value-based, get the family plan, get this number of lines for, for this amount. Um, and I have a theory on why that might be, but first I want to understand whether or not you've noticed the same thing. Have, have you noticed that the push for hardware has changed and that there's a much stronger push now for, for plan, package, and uh, capacity? Yeah, absolutely. I think there may have been a time where um, you know, the, the companies, the Verizons, the T-Mobiles, the Sprint would have a contract with a specific phone manufacturer to say, okay, this is the the... T-Mobile anchor phone. This is the one that we're going to push. I think they've gotten away from that. So again, they're not pushing that technology anymore, but they are pushing their plans because the plans are where they make the money. Yeah. See, I think, I think you're hitting on the same theory that, that I'm developing, which is with the portability of your phone and your phone number, phone number portability was certainly older in the last couple of years, but you know, even my last, um, Chime, I switched phone plans with, from, I think, Verizon to T-Mobile or vice versa. Uh, we brought our phones with us. But even then, 
uh, our phones didn't get great reception because they're the bands that were being used for the one carrier weren't necessarily the same bands that were being used by the other. So the, the signal was definitely degraded, especially at our house until we bought a new phone from, you know, that was designed to work on that network. I think that has diminished. I think the ability for you now to bounce between networks uh, is much better. Uh, the standards are better, or at least there's not so much uniqueness. And so because of that, you start to see advertising and pushes that are more about, uh, you know, large family plans, uh, large amounts of capacity and the inclusion of other goodies like accessories and things into your plan. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Um, one thing that that's confusing me about the plans is what the differences are. So we have, you know, I'll just use, make up an example, but we have our bronze, silver and gold package for our, our calling plans. But the one right in the middle, the silver plan has uh, 5g capability um, it has unlimited data up to whatever gigabytes and then they throttle you, but then they have the gold plan right next to it. And it, it, it's, it looks basically the same, but instead of just saying 5g, it'll say 5g nationwide calling. What is that? It, are you limited to 5g in just a specific area, but then the next plan you can use 5g anywhere, or is that just a typo on their website? I, I'm not understanding the plan differences. So we can't have a discussion about cell phones without talking about those plans because they are terrible. Um, and you, you can't go to the website uh, really uh, and learn about your plan that you currently own because the plans are constantly changing. You have to dig into your documentation about your specific plan. And that even means if you call someone uh, for support, uh, they may, you're gonna have to, they're going to have to dig through your plan. Uh, and read the fine print because whatever you bought at the time you bought your phone um, was likely a unique point in time. Um, and I have, I've run into this a, a couple of different times and been just like you confused. Like, do I have roaming or don't I, can I, can we go international? If I go international, is this going to work or do I have to do an add on rider? Uh, can I text, but I can't call what, what are the rules? And the plans are so confusing. Um, uh, to the extent that I don't even know what I have anymore half the time, especially when it relates to things like, you know, uh, warranties on, on the phone devices. Uh, what does it mean if I want to actually buy a new phone? Uh, what can I do with this old phone? You know, do I have to turn it in? Cause I was, I was paying on the installment plan. Do I have a balloon payment coming uh, on this plan that I've been <laughs> doing after two years, which I had, by, by the way, had happened to me, uh, you know, several iterations ago but you know we've been you know you know whatever you get your phone you know it's $15 a month to have this phone uh and then you know about two years into the contract they say okay and now here's your here pay the $300 balance on the phone like my god I was I leasing this phone what's my was my what's my resale rate on my phone did I you know do I have to put new tires on it before I can give it back to you um <laughs> they're incredibly confusing um and, you know, I'll pivot back to you here by saying not only are they very, very confusing, uh, if you go to a cell phone kiosk or a store, I'm not, I'm not, my batting average is about one for 10 on finding someone there who knows any more than I do. I don't disagree at all. I, you know, they're, they're, pushing, they're pushing the people through the, the retail sales training and saying, okay, here are the basics. Um, 
if you get a tough question, guess what? You got you have to call customer support. The guy in the in the shop isn't going to be able to help you out, and that's frustrating. I want to talk to somebody, and I don't want somebody reading from a script when I call into a customer service number. It would be nice to have that personal touch in the stores, but it's just not there anymore. Yeah, and and, and it's hard for me to start to to think about ways in which that process gets better. I have I have looked and researched into pay-as-you-go phones and and those sorts of things, uh, but they're incredibly expensive too. Mm-hmm. And you don't get the quality of service. Uh, and to me, that was even more confusing. For a time, uh, I, I decided that rather than giving my uh, kid a cell phone on our plan, I would go and get him one of those uh, pay-as-you-go phones, right? Because then I thought I can easily just take it away if he's abusing it. And then I can, you know, you know, refill it back up and hand it to him. Uh, but there were so many gotchas in that plan that if you didn't keep a certain amount of money on the phone card or the a phone plan, it would completely deactivate and he'd lose the phone number. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that, that right away, uh, you know, put a very large dent in, in my ability uh, to make, make that a workable plan, right? I'm not going to just constantly have to keep plugging money into it every month. Then I might as well just go and get on a much cheaper uh, cell phone plan. I'll tell you what I do like, uh, Xfinity Mobile. Um, They use Verizon lines, so you get the same call quality that you have with Verizon, the same coverage area. It's $45 for unlimited data. They will throttle you if you go over 20 gigabytes, but it's still unlimited. Unlimited talks, unlimited text, 45 bucks a month. That's all you pay for that. Um, Now, if you want a phone, if you don't bring your own phone, then you get on their 24-month payment plan for whatever phone you choose, and you have the choice between Apple and Android. Um, They have plenty of selections available um, and you can also get insurance through them. But the plan is so simple and basic. Yes, you pay full retail price for the phone. There is no deal. Sign up for a plan, get a free phone, nothing like that, but it's just a straight 45 a month. That that deserved a salute. It didn't deserve the retro news theme, <laughs> but it deserved a salute. So I'm glad that I that glad that I played that. Unfortunately, didn't get to pause fast enough. Now that's that's awesome. And uh, we are not sponsored by Xfinity Mobile, but we will take their sponsorship if they want to call us, without a doubt. Right? They we we are open to that. Correct? Yeah, we absolutely are open to that. Um, and, and if they did sponsor us, that would be one sponsor that we have. That would be, we would double our sponsor. Well, no, two times zero would be still zero. zero we, would, we would add a lot to our sponsorship count without a we doubt. We would. Our sponsorship would go through the roof. All right. Well, that's going to take us through segment number two. We'll be back with segment number three. We'll try to find some ways to maybe make peace with cell phones if possible. Probably need to do a little bit more talking about the phone itself. But you know what? It is all about the plan after all. It is the uh, Make It Better podcast segment number two in the books. We'll see you in a minute. You know what I don't like when people do with their cell phone? I don't like it when they have the retro Rockford Files ringer. Uh, I actually don't like any uh, theme ringers. Uh, I don't like a phone that makes noise, to be honest. I've always had mine just on vibrate. Do you, does your phone make noise? 
Uh, it no longer does. I, a couple of years ago, I had different ringtones for each of my friends, and now my ringer is usually off. So people will say, hey, how come you never answer my call? Well, phone's in the pocket, ringer's off. Sorry. Right. And I um, I have the um, an iWatch or an Apple Watch, and uh, I found since I have owned that, which by the way, I have to tell you, I am I am a convert. I thought it was the stupidest thing ever to have a have a smartwatch. I love my smartwatch. I'll probably never not have one. Uh, never have a conventional watch on my wrist again. But with that, there's no need whatsoever to have a ringer. Um, if I can't feel it vibrating in my pocket, or I've left my phone on the on the desk or something, I'm wearing my watch. Uh, it's going to vibrate. It's going to show me what's going on. Uh, there's no sense for it to make noise. And it, it annoys me when when people, you know have their phone intrude on other people's time, right? It's in your pocket, let it be yours. Why does it have to ring and announce itself to everybody? Right. I also don't like the, uh, the, the, it's mostly females. I've only seen one or two men ever do this, but the walking with your phone uh, in front of you sort of held out like it's a, like it's a piece of toast in front of your face, you know, flat, and then you're on speakerphone talking to someone as you're walking through a store. Oh, uh, yeah, you're talking in the phone butt, basically. Right, exactly. I, I've even seen this done in a car. Uh, and that is actually one place where I've seen men do it, is they're driving down the car, driving down the road in their car, and they're holding the phone up again. Yeah, talking to the phone's bottom uh, um, as if it's on speaker. Uh, again, this speaks back to the ergonomic nature of this phone, the fact that it's not designed to do that at all. This thing we've named it, a telephone. Uh, it's not really designed for something that you should, you know, talk into or hear from. Uh, but I can't stand it when people talk on speaker on their phone uh, around other people. It makes no sense to me. I, I just really wish they'd stop that. Yeah, and the person that's on speaker probably doesn't want the rest of the world hearing the conversation either. So, yes, stop it. Just stop it. This would be my first excuse to actually make it a lot easier for people to to live with other people on their phones is let's stop making if if your phone is that present in your life i i'm I feel sorry for you but it doesn't need to be that present in everyone else's life and if you're in a crowd and you have 20 people that have their phone that present and that and then make it that present in everyone else's life it's just that much more of a cacophony of noise uh, of people talking and 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 uh speakerphone noise coming back uh you could just be a much better world citizen uh, by just being polite, right? Let's not have the phone make a lot of noise in a movie theater. You shouldn't have to be told that, first of all. Why do you have to be told to turn your phone off when you're in a movie theater? Moron, turn your phone off all the time, first of all. But second of all, if you're in a movie theater or you're at a play, turn your phone off. Guess what? If you're sitting next to me in a restaurant, turn your phone off. Uh, you can turn the ringer off, at least. Uh, I, I can't believe we have to tell people that. Yeah, uh Society's changing. I'm not keeping up with it. Um, I, apparently, that's a norm now. I'm not happy about it. I don't like it. But yeah, it, there is. If the you know if if the internet has allowed us to to turn a mirror back on the human condition, uh, the cell phone is maybe that mirror. Uh, and the, the amount of the amount of good, the amount of connectedness, uh, the blessings I talked about before of just the convenience and the entertainment and the, and the safety we get from these devices is wonderful. Uh, but the opportunity for, for ugliness is just so much greater. And, and I think, you know, maybe that's one way to, one way to make lemons out of lemonade is if you're struggling with anything in your life, this is one area where you have a tool that you can practice with 
<laughs> using responsibly, right? Whether it's just how you, how you act in terms of having manners around other people, uh, but also what you choose to use that device to do. I mean, you can, you can do great harm to yourself and others with that device, or, or you, can, you can use it as a way of bettering your own, um, your own uh, boy, morality, your own, uh, your own station, um, by just making good choices using that device. And that's the first layer to make it better. And maybe that also means putting it down uh, and not picking it up uh, during dinner, putting it down and not picking it up uh, when you go to bed at night uh, until you get up in the next morning. Uh, those, are, those are good opportunities for us to practice being a good human, right? Being a, a good human, but also enjoying life, uh, getting a little more out of it. I mean, how many times are you at an event, um, say it's a concert, say it's a, a NASCAR race, something where, where it's just about to start. Everybody has their phone up and they're looking through the, the screen instead of the actual thing going on so they can record it or live stream it or Snapchat it to all their friends. Hey, look at what I'm doing. Boy, just put that thing down and enjoy what's happening right in front of you and live life a little bit. Well, you said a mouthful there, and I will, I'll take this back to the, the whole camera aspect of the phone, too. I used to have a camcorder back in the day when my kids were little, and then I also used to take a lot of photos and a lot of cam uh, uh, film with my, uh, or videos with my, with my camera as well. When the kids had monumental events, uh, I have gotten rid of all of that. Um, you know, even, you know, granted, when your kids get older, you take less photos, but even in those times where you could take photos, I tend to take one or two very important pictures at a very important time, maybe even posed, and then, the, then that's done. Uh, I want to see it through my eyes. I want that photograph on my, on my brain, not necessarily on my phone. Uh, I, I will enjoy the moment and be in the moment rather than be in my phone. And uh, I, I now I get to the point where if I'm at a, a church service or I'm at a school program and there's you know little kids having a play and I see that dad or that mom fiddling with the phone, you know, trying to capture every second. I just want to walk up and tap them on the shoulder and go, you're not going to be here in five years. You're, you're going to care about this video, right? You know, mm -hmm. Sit here and enjoy right now, <laughs> you know, because you don't get, get, you don't get to come back here. Just sit here and enjoy right now. That's what I've learned. I agree. Hey, are we going to have an opportunity to talk about the uh, the planned obsolescence of the phone? Because it seems like they die every two years. Well, let me check my notes here. Uh, show notes, show notes, show notes. Let's go back to our rehearsal. Yeah, this was a, actually it's right coming up here in two seconds. Go. This is where it was your turn. This was your cue oh. to come in to oh, talk about planned obsolescence and our our highly produced produce show. Yeah. Talk to me about planned obsolescence. Maybe first, why don't you define what planned obsolescence is? Um, so I'm assuming this is investor driven. Well, that's as far as I'll go with the conspiracy theory, but it seems like the phone technology is only good for two years. And then you, you kind of have a paperweight after that, or if not a paperweight, just a non-functioning mobile device. It does some things okay. Other things it doesn't do at all. For instance, I have a Galaxy S9. Love it. Um, but I hit the two year mark and all of a sudden I noticed that when I take it out in the cold, the battery depletes almost instantly. Uh, didn't do that before, but I hit that two year mark and all of a sudden I'm having battery issues with it. Uh, it's a sealed phone. Can you get the battery replaced? Um, yes, but they take it apart. When they take it apart, they might crack the screen. So it's kind of like a, Hey buddy, you have to go buy a new phone. If I want, want to have that repaired. Uh, my girlfriend has a, uh, an Apple six, I want to say. Mm -hmm. um, she's had it for a number of years. Um, 
but uh, camera's no good. It's not keeping up with software updates. In fact, to try to use her bank from her mobile device, uh, she had to do some sort of upgrade to even allow that to happen and it still doesn't quite work right so again she hit that you know you've had it for two years it's probably time to to toss that one in the trash don't toss it in the trash recycle responsibly um <laughs> but get rid of that one and and upgrade so it seems like every two years somehow you're pushed to an upgrade because the device itself the mechanics of it fail. So I'm not going to, I will agree uh, that is most certainly a problem. I'm going to counter with, with one thing. So I, I was an Android owner for many, 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 many years, just like I was a PC owner, uh, uh, you know, an Intel-based and, and um, you know, x86-based um, Win, Windows machine owner for many, many, many years. Um, I have since converted over to Apple. Now, I, I use both. Uh, I'm not brand loyal. What I am loyal to is stuff that tends to last a little bit longer. Now you mentioned your girlfriend has an iPhone six. If that's the right version, that's six versions. Uh, they just released the iPhone 12 here a couple of weeks ago. Um, so the, the very fact that that six is still running um, is, you know, maybe you should expect it to be, but in the, in the, in the arena of cell phones, as you pointed out, your galaxy, um, I never had the experience other than what you just described when I owned an Android phone. They would last a couple of years and then the battery would start to go. They would run really, really, really slow. Um, I could have to rebuild them and then that would work okay for a couple of weeks and then it would kind of go south again. Um, since I've been uh, on, on, on the Apple products, because they own the hardware, because they own the software, um, they tend to last longer. There are some caveats within that. So for instance, I'm, I'm just now going to upgrade to a new phone. I had a seven. So I kept my seven for a long time and my seven is still working fine with two exceptions. Uh, one, uh, it's, it's camera has started to go wonky. Now it still works, um, but it will occasionally have some, it's, it's really weird to look like I'm taking a picture through an aquarium. Um, so there's obviously some sort of image stabilizer stabilizer problem. And there are some hacks to get around it, but it's it's getting annoying. Uh, but all, the bigger issue is that uh, it doesn't charge well. The battery works fine. It's actually the physical port itself is worn out. Um, and that's where I would actually put my critique on Apple. It's not about planned obsolescence and the device actually collapsing just in terms of its internal storage. It's, I can't, I, I have one choice to charge this device, right? I have to plug it into this little port and it stops working, I'm screwed. Uh, I, that, by the way, also is the same port that my headphones plug into. So Apple made that change where they went away from a 3.5 millimeter jack to just the lightning jack or Bluetooth. Uh, they I think expecting everyone to go to Bluetooth. So now you can't charge your phone and listen with wired headphones at the same time or Consequently, also, by the way, when you're not charging your phone, you want to listen to your headphones, you're putting wear and tear on that same port on the device, which is why mine's worn out. So that's the stuff that frustrates me with Apple. It's their devices work great, but I've got to buy adapters and then those adapters and those cables don't work. And if you buy a cable that's not rated for Apple, you spent the money and you bring it home and it says, oh, this cable isn't the right frequency or doesn't have the right gauge or whatever the problem is with it. So, you know, I, I hear what you're saying about planned obsolescence. You'll get more life out of the Apple products, including the Macs, uh, but you're probably going to spend more to begin with. And you're also going to spend a lot on adapters and, and then have stupid problems, um, 
when you're looking at this device that seems to be working in every other way. My brother-in-law's has a very old Apple. I think he has an SE, which predates the six. His phone works fine, but it no longer takes updates. And his GPS thinks he's always like a half a mile away from where he is, which can be dangerous when you're married, by the way. So uh, yeah, I, I get it. The, uh, I had that problem a lot more with the Android and Windows phone. I had a Windows phone once too, uh, than I have recently with the Apple stuff. Well, I don't, I don't know that this was necessarily a problem when you were buying the, the $79.95 uh, Motorola flip phones, uh, you know, a decade or so ago. Um, 80 bucks. Okay, I'll spend that for a new phone. But now these things are $1,100, $1,200. How can right. you afford to do that every two years? Yeah, and that's where like T-Mobile has this jump plan where, you know, you can jump to the new phone when it comes out. And effectively, now you're, you're basically playing the same game you play with cars. Do I want to buy a car and, and drive it till its wheels fall off? Or do I just want to commit to having a car payment forever and leasing every two years? That's really what you've come down to with a lot of these phones. And, you know, how long do you, you know, how long do you keep that used phone in your pocket uh, before you just can't keep it running anymore and you decide it's worth taking on the payments again or putting out a thousand dollars to buy a new one? Um, it's funny, but these things really have, again, they're misnamed. I don't know what the name should be, but, but, but we're treating them like, like cars. We're leasing them. We're, we're doing so much with them that they're that important to us. Hey, speaking of stuff that's important, uh, I think at this point, uh, you know, it's time for us to pivot away from cell phones a little bit. Well, I don't think we can make them better, but I know I found a way to actually make peace with them. A lot of it's just metering my time. But uh, I, I think last week we, we did a, a discussion about companies that are doing things well. We both had a company. This week, I know you're bringing a company forward that you know is, is doing things well and making things better. Uh, and, and so I want to open the floor up, you know, for you to give us our, our let's make it better salute. All right. Uh, last week, uh, I mentioned that um, I like to keep it local. My circle's small. I, I like things that are, are directly in my purview. Um, and this week, that is Bill's Toggery in Shakopee, Minnesota. Um, Bill's is a place for, for men to shop. They have men's clothing. Uh, what I really like is that they have uh, big and tall sizes. I'm, I'm not a big person, but I am a tall person. Um, so I love that I can go in there and find things that fit. They're in you know, XLT or LT. Uh, so that's great for me. But what I really like is when I go into to Bill's Toggery, Billy knows me by name. I walk in the door, he's like, oh, hey, Bob. Um, he knows my size. Uh, I get a discount because I know Billy. Any, anyone who shops there frequently can get the I know Billy discount. Um, so they really take care of their customers. Um, they have recently, due to COVID, started doing online sales. So live Facebook sales events. Um, so you don't actually have to go into the store. Uh, Billy will show you the products on, on his Facebook feed that are for sale. And if you want to buy them, you can, you can message Billy, you can call the store, uh, they'll take care of you. So they, they're adjusting to the pandemic world um, as best they can. I think they're doing a great job and still able to take care of their customers. So shout out to Bill's Toggery. I love Bill's. Uh, I have bought a lot of stuff at Bill's. I'm six foot three. Uh, and so I, I, I qualify for the tall category. Uh, Billy also knows me by name. Zach, who's no longer there, has sold me a lot of shirts and a lot of jeans and pants over the years, has fitted my son uh, for, for a suit, fitted me for a suit. Um, you want you know, you're going to get help there. That's a lot different than going to a department store. And let me, let me tell you 
how you're going to get different kinds of help. No, number one, uh, he's going to sell you a shirt. And when he sells you that shirt, like a button front shirt, he's going to say, are you going to wear it tucked in or are you going to wear it untucked? Because then he's going to sell you a different shirt. Because you know what? If you buy a, a shirt that you end up uh, tucking in, uh, then he's going to sell you one that's got a little bit longer tail. If he's going to buy one that you're going to wear untucked, he's going to sell you one that's a little bit shorter. And by the way, if you wore that shorter one tucked in, what's going to happen? It's going to come untucked, right? Every time you sit down, it's going to pop out. Um, I don't have that issue when I buy clothes from those guys because they ask me how I'm going to wear it, uh, what I'm going to use, and then I'm going to get the one that works. And I have, I think I've told you this, I have my travel button-down shirt that I have. And I went in and I remember I asked Zach when Zach was still working there. Zach's moved on. But I said, I, I need a shirt for traveling and I need one that I can stuff in my backpack because I'm not doing any, any carry-ons. And he sold me what ended up being a rather pricey shirt, but I still have it. It's probably been three years. Uh, I can put this shirt in my front pocket of my jeans, rolled up in a ball, <laughs> pull it out and put it on under a suit coat. And it looks perfect. Uh, and uh, funny story, I was sitting on an airplane somewhere. I don't remember where a guy walked by and he had the exact same shirt on. Uh, and I, and I pointed at him. I said, Hey, you're wearing my travel shirt. And, uh, and he looked at me and he looked down at his shirt. And then we had about a 15 minute conversation on how fantastic that shirt is uh, and how much it was worth the money uh, to pay for, the, for that shirt. So you, that's the kind of service you're not going to get at a regular big box department store. And frankly, it's kind of a throwback to the way shopping probably used to be everywhere um, when people took time to give a darn. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I, can't, I can't help uh, but agree with your of Bill's Toggery because uh, Bill's is uh, one in a million without a doubt. Absolutely. All right. That is segment number three in the books, episode number nine in the books. I don't know. Did we solve any cell phone problems? Uh, I don't know that we solved them, but we pointed out the glaring problems, uh, you know, planned obsolescence and the plans. Fix those. I think cell phones are a great example of how far we've come and how difficult it is to manage being as far as we are. Uh, you know, these things are, are so important to us that we've got to absolutely got to have them. Uh, but people know that they're important. So they do things like make sure they don't last too long that we aren't incented to go right back and buy another one. Uh, and they certainly can get us into trouble too, right, Bob? Absolutely. All right. Well, that's it. Let's make a better podcast. We'll see you next week.